You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host in crime, Nick Lee. We've got a jam-packed episode coming your way. We're going to look at some potential playoff seeding a little bit different this year, given some of the circumstances going on in the world and in the NFL. And of course, a game plan for a Seahawks victory in Philadelphia on Monday night. Today's episode is brought your way by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks, COVID-19 continues to have a growing impact, not just on the world, but on this 2020 NFL season. For most of the year, Nick, there's been a few hiccups here and there. We saw what happened with the Titans earlier in the season. There's been a few other teams that have had players and coaches that have gotten positive tests, but it has really escalated the last couple of weeks. Just ask Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who right now, latest news, they're going to be trying to now play their Week 12 game on Tuesday night. There were a few more players for the Ravens that tested positive today, and so that is in doubt. Who knows if they're even going to be able to play on Tuesday, and that leads to our discussion here in the first quarter. If there is a game canceled due to this virus, the NFL has a plan already approved in place to expand the postseason to eight teams in both conferences. And some of you may be listening and, well, that's cool, more playoff teams. But this really changes the dynamic going for that number one seed because with the new restructure, only the top seed in each conference was going to get a bye this year. And if they add an extra team to both conferences because there's been games canceled, it really devalues that top seed for teams like the Seahawks. Yeah, it does. I mean, you saw what happened in, in baseball. Baseball this year, they extend, expended it to, to eight teams each. And yeah, the Dodgers won it, and they were the, the favored team. But it's just an extra hoop that the main, the top seed has to go through. The, the Dodgers ended up having to win an extra playoff series to get there. And so I, th- I think that's a decent comparison. I know it's not a three-game series. And in football, you have one bad day and you're done, which kind of makes it more fun. But yeah, I agree that it kind of devalues it because there's so much you have to jump through so many hoops now as the number one seed, where is it really worth it to get that top seed? And, and it's it, with, you know, it, with so many things that could happen with COVID and, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, with the, uh, the angle of, it might not be that big of a deal this year to play a road playoff game because the fans will be limited if even present at all. And so if you go to it, maybe like a place like Dallas, it might play a little bit of a part, but you know, if you go to green Bay, or New Orleans or something like that, that that's, it's not going to play the same role if you play a road playoff game this year. And the Seahawks won a road playoff game last season in Philly. So I'm going to play at the angle that it, it yeah, it might devalue a bit more of, of getting the number one overall seat. But with the whole COVID situation period of, of limited fans and just with some of the restrictions, I think being a road team in the playoffs won't be at such a disadvantage this year. I don't think it will be, but I'm not quite understanding. I get the arguments. There are people out there that are arguing this is the year where we want to get a wild card because then we play. If if the Seahawks are the top wild card, which the way things are trending right now, they would be. They'd have the best record of the wild card teams. 
then you would play an NFC East team in the first round of the playoffs. And right now the Washington football team is in first place at four and seven. It is the worst division in the history of the NFL. It is making the 2010 NFC West look like world beaters. That's how bad this division is. And so I get that argument, but if you're looking at trying to advance to the Super Bowl, even without fans, that obviously is a big deal. But if the Seahawks have to travel to Green Bay in the second round, I don't care if there's fans in the stands. There is a good chance that you're going to have snowballs hitting you in the helmet. And the Seahawks have not played well in those type of elements in the past. We saw what happened last year when they went to Green Bay. Had a horrible first half, and they nearly came back and won the game. But that would, to me, seem like the unideal situation here. I don't care if there's fans there or not. Obviously, that changes things a little bit. But I still think the weather potential dynamic there is something to keep an eye on. And I still think home field matters. The Seahawks have yet to lose at Lumen Field this season. And so I still think there's value for the top seed. And as of the time we're recording here, who knows what happens with the Ravens-Steelers game. The NFL is trying to find any way they can to avoid canceling or having a forfeiture or anything like that. They want to get all the games in. It's going to be very difficult to do that here these next couple of weeks. But for now, we still have the seven teams in each conference format, which makes that number one seed, number one seed still very valuable with the extra week off, the bye week. If that's eliminated, suddenly that does change things. But I still think winning the division and getting home field advantage is going to be valuable. Maybe not as much as it normally is, but I would make the argument that top seed means a lot still in the scheme of things. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm going to backtrack a little bit on the baseball one because the, the top seed did not get a buy. It, it was a straight one through eight. So yeah, if if they were to eliminate the, the top seed buy for whatever reason, then yeah, it becomes devalued. But especially in a COVID situation, that extra week would would do wonder. So if you have a couple cases you're trying to get uh, to test negative, you have a couple injuries, obviously in a normal year, a bye week is really important in the playoffs. So I'm of the opinion myself, I get the, all, all the extra arguments about not tanking, but you know, maybe wild card's okay this year. You just win, the, you got to win all the games you play win your division, win your division and hang a division banners is priority number one, no matter where you are, no matter what, what team you want to play or, or whatever, win your division, get a home playoff game and let the chips fall where they may. Historically, the three times they've had the number one seed in their franchise history, they have advanced to the Super Bowl all three times. They had fans in the stands. They're not going to this time around. That's obviously a huge difference, but still, not having to travel, I think, makes it worth that top seed. It might not have the value it's had in the past, but I still think I would much rather get that top seed and be the NFC West champion than be a wild card team. And yes, you might get an easy first game, but then, oh, I've got to go to Green Bay or I've got to go to New Orleans, which would be obviously, exactly like last year. That's exactly Yeah, what it's, it's the type of situation that you don't want to end up in. And, and obviously not having fans, as I've said over and over again, that is a big difference compared to a normal season. I just, I still like the idea we get to chill, especially in the COVID era. Let's chill at home and stay safe. And you do that by getting the top seed and getting home field advantage and hopefully still having a week one bye while everybody else is playing on wild card weekend. When we come back for the second quarter, it's time to start game planning. The Seahawks have a game coming up on Monday. It feels like it's been a while since the Seahawks have played a game since their last one was last Thursday. They've had a nice 
mini buy here. They're back in action on the practice field. We're going to put together a game plan on offense and defense for a Seahawks victory. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Whether you're watching from the press box like me or from the comfort of your own home, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for Blue Friday, my good friend, Nick Lee. We've got a football game coming up on Monday night. It seems like it's been a while since the Seahawks have played, but that's a good thing, a chance for them to get healthier. They're going to have some key players hopefully returning in Philadelphia. Shaquille Griffin, Ethan Posick, Chris Carson, hopefully Brandon Shell is able to get back. His status still up in the air, but they're hoping to be much healthier after this 10-day break between games. This is an Eagles squad that has made the playoffs the last three seasons this year has been an absolute struggle, though. Three, six, and one, and they're right on the cusp of being back in first place. If they beat the Seahawks, they're four, six, and one. They move back into first place in the NFC East. That's how bad this division has been, but it has been an absolute struggle, in particular, Nick, on the offensive side of the football. Carson Wentz has made a huge – he has taken a huge step back this year in his development. There actually has been some murmurs in Philadelphia about giving Jalen Hurts an opportunity. They drafted him in the second round. That's how bad things have gotten for Carson Wentz in this offense. 28th in yards per play. They're dead last in sacks allowed. That's what Seattle's got to be licking their lips about the most here because this is an offensive line that – doesn't have Lane Johnson, and they don't have Brandon Brooks. Both those guys are now done for the season, and they're moving pieces all over the line. Jason Peters is getting old. They're moving him into guard because he gave up three sacks. Jason banged up too. Yeah, I mean, this is just a really banged up offensive line, and they've given up 40 sacks more than any team in the league. I think that's got to be the first thing that you're pointing out in a game plan here, and I don't think you need to blitz a lot to get the job done, especially with how Carlos Dunlap and the rest of that defensive line is playing right now. This should be a game where the Seahawks can feel comfortable. We can deploy four-man, maybe five-man rushes consistently. We don't need to bring more pressure than that very often, and we can get to Carson Wentz. Yeah, anytime you can get home with four or five, that, you're going to give yourself a good chance to win. But before I dive too much into this, th- this game has a bit of more personal meaning to me. My dad's a big Eagles fan, grew up in Philadelphia, so I- I'm pretty in tune with that fan base a little bit. And they're desperate. And um, the Eagles are coming into this pretty desperate. They're a wounded animal, a caged animal, an animal backed into a corner, insert metaphor here. Either way, um, yeah, I-, I don't think – it's going to be an easy win. Um, I think the Eagles are going to prepare for the Eagles best, maybe last, maybe bet last shot. I mean, this is really desperation time for them. And yeah, there is some murmurs about, do they make a quarterback change, which is nuts compared to three years ago when Wentz was on the MVP train. Um, but yeah, the, the stats bear it out um, that, that they are, they're awful along the offensive line. Carson Wentz is a turnover machine. He literally cannot keep He's in the spirit of Thanksgiving. He has been giving the ball to the defense over and over again this season, and it's just completely made – lots of Eagles fans, I think, are bald from how much hair they've pulled out of their heads this season. 31st in net yards per attempt, 30th in pass rating. Like you mentioned, dead last in sacks allowed, second most giveaways in the NFL. I mean, you name it. This, 
this team has really struggled on offense, especially through the air. And I think this is, yeah, if, if this is a game where you can get those boys feasting up front, the four or five guys rushing, and maybe mix in a couple of Jamal Adams rushes here and there, and it, they can get home and get three, four, five sacks out of that. This is going to be a long night for the Eagles. But um, I, I, I agree. I think Carson Wentz is still very talented. And if, if you give him chances to, to pick up a blitz or, or, uh, or miss, miss some assignments, he'll, he'll hit it. And so this is a game where you still need to be assignment sound. But, yeah, strategy-wise, I think you can rush four or five and, and get home. And that's, that's where – this is an offense especially where if you can get them off schedule and really make – take Miles Sanders out of it as, as a weapon for Carson Wentz and make him just drop back and try to beat you. I think that that's really playing into the Seahawks' hands. And I look at who's going to be playing tackle. They're, the reports today are indicating Jordan Maialata is going to be moving out to left tackle, and he's a former rugby player that has been in the league now for a few years, still very raw. He's, he's shown well in games this year. He's made improvements, but again – this is not a guy that's played a lot of football in his career, and he's still very inexperienced. And then on the other side, you're probably going to be playing Jack Driscoll, who's a rookie, and he's been banged up this week. He's not 100% healthy. He's trying to replace Lane Johnson. They have very little depth behind either one of those players. They would have to slide Jason Peters back out. And as I said, he's been a great player for a long, long time, but he's 38 years old. He's just not good enough to play tackle at a high level in the NFL anymore they're hoping he can play guard and prolong things a little bit but this is an offensive line especially on the edges Carlos Dunlap Alton Robinson Benson Mayo and company they should all be licking their lips because these seem like ideal matchups for Seattle's edge rushers and because of that I think this is one of those games I know the run game has has been devalued by a lot of people but that's one thing the Eagles are good at they're third in rushing yards per attempt and their fourth and run block win rate. Miles Sanders is one of the best dual threat running backs out there. He's missed a few games with injuries, but 585 rushing yards, 116 receiving yards, three touchdowns. They don't have a ton of weapons on the outside. Jalen Rager, it feels like he's kind of due. So that's one guy to watch out for in this game. One of my favorite rookies coming into this year has had a rough year. He's missed quite a few games with injury, but they can run the football. They've got a dynamic weapon in Miles Sanders. This is a game where the Seahawks are telling Carson Wentz, with your receivers, you need to beat us. We are going to get pressure on you. We're going to stop your run game. Now, prove that you can move the ball consistently up and down in the field with the aerial attack. And if you do that, then kudos. But that would be my game plan this week. I'm, I'm forcing them to drop back a bunch. And I think, as you've seen all year, you get pressure on Carson Wentz. He's going to uncork some bad passes. He's going to fumble the ball. And it's, it's been an issue all season long. The Seahawks, Seahawks have had success doing that against him in the past. I think you can follow the same formula in this game. And quite frankly, I think the Seahawks' front line is better than it was the two games they played last year against this team. They've really got a chance to eat. You slow down that run game and make this offense one-dimensional. It's going to be a nightmarish Monday night for Peterson's offense. Hey, look at the top three receivers for the Eagles in receiving yards. You've got Travis Fulgham, who's really come, come along as an undrafted guy, Richard Rodgers, and Greg Ward. Those are their top three guys. I mean, there's no Alshon Jeffries there. There's no Deshaun Jackson's there. It's, it's been pretty bare in there. And, yeah, Jalen Rager, I think if he's given a full season, it's pretty up there too. But, um, yeah, th this is, a, this is an, an offense that can easily be one-dimensional. 
And if, if you, they are going to stay aggressive though. They are fourth in the NFL and fourth down attempts. So don't relax just because all of a sudden you got the Eagles in fourth and three or fourth and five or something like that. This is a Doug Peterson is the head coach that coached circles around Bill Belichick in Super Bowl 52. So he, he can coach still. So be, be on your toes still on fourth down, but this is certainly a game that advantage Seahawks on defense, which is really weird to say. Yeah, and it's crazy because we're talking about, you know, making the priorities, uh, you know, making your priority on defense, slowing down Philadelphia's run game. For me, when you swing over to the offensive side of the ball, this is a pretty elementary game plan to me because I look at the Eagles defense and the way that they have played this year. They're 11th in rushing yards allowed, which isn't horrible, um, but certainly they have been vulnerable there. They are at their best when they're creating pressure. So it's a similar situation what the Seahawks are going to be wanting to do on defense, getting after Carson Wentz. You have to believe Philadelphia's defense with their front line, Fletcher Cox in the middle. You've got Brandon Graham at defensive end. They've got uh, Sweat. They also have Derek Barnett. They've got a number of edge rushers that can pin the ears back and get after the quarterback. That is the strength of this football team. And so I think when you look at Philadelphia's defense, I look at the linebackers that they have, Alex Singleton being one of those three, spent some time briefly with the Seahawks. I just look at the talent that they have at that position, and I'm thinking if you can just get your blocks made up front and you can get linebackers to the second level on your inside-outside zone game, there is no reason that the Seahawks should not be able to dominate on the ground against this team. You get to those linebackers, they are light at that position. Seattle's got some big dudes that can move, get to that second level. I think you could see several runs in this game, especially with Chris Carson coming back, where they're able to spring to the second, even the third level of the defense, and that's going to create some problems for a secondary that has its share of issues tackling. Yeah, the game plan is pretty simple here. Neutralize the pass rush. The Eagles, if, yeah, if there's one thing they do well, Brandon Graham is a, one of the better pass rushers. Fletcher Cox inside is maybe one of, aside of you know, Aaron Donald, one of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL. Number five right now currently for pass rush win rate um, among defensive tackles. And the Eagles as a whole are third in sacks and third in passer rating allowed. So their they're pass defense, their pass rush, probably the strength of the team at this point. So, how do you neutralize an aggressive and successful pass rush? You run the football, you do play action pass, you look for those explosive plays, get those guys on their heels. And I think that's right where the Seahawks want to play. They want to play, they want, they want to run the ball, they want to do that play action and look for those um, attacks downfield. Another one that I thought was interesting was that the Eagles, I believe, are third or fourth in 20-plus yard, uh, yard pass plays allowed, meaning the fourth least allowed, so that they, they – do a good job at limiting some explosive plays, but also as another flip-flop to that is the, the teams have been able to run the ball on them and, and take leads against them. So they don't have to take these deep shots downfield. So there's maybe a bit of a caveat there, but clearly and Russell Wilson, this is right in his wheelhouse, you know, get that running game going, get the play action going and really everything else should kind of fall into place. And really, if you do that, you get, you take Brandon Graham and you take Fletcher Cox out of the game. And that's absolutely how you beat the Philadelphia Eagles when they're on defense. Yep, you got to run the ball, Adam. Got to run into the teeth of the defense. And I think they're going to be in a better position than they were a year ago when Joey Hunt was trying to block against Fletcher Cox. <laughs> yeah. Ethan Posick coming back is a big deal. Having him in the lineup the way that he's played this year. And I'm not saying that he's going to dominate against Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is good against everybody. But that is an upgrade at the center position. And he's got enough size to be able to block against him. And so I think that's a big deal going into this game. You're going to have Carson. You're going to have 
have Carlos Hyde available, and DJ Dallas may get some reps as well. They've got most of their arsenal in place running the football. you got Mikey Potty back at left guard. He's playing fantastic football right now. So I think the run game has got to be something they lean on in this game. And it might not work for you necessarily early, but I guess my big thing, you stick with it. You get the play-action passing game there for Russell Wilson. That's where the vertical plays in the passing game are going to come from because Darius Slay is a darn good corner on the outside. I don't think you can just come into this game thinking, oh, we're going to take our shot plays. You have to set those up against this defense by running the ball getting the play action there, sprinkling in some timely screens as well to take advantage of that pass rush. I think these are all things that the Seahawks need to do in this game. It seems like an elementary game plan, but this is a team that I don't think it takes a super sophisticated approach to be able to beat them. They have consistently had their issues with giving up rushing yardage. The big plays have come off the play action, particularly later in games. I think the Seahawks clearly have the personnel to be able to take advantage of that. And so the biggest key, you got to keep your quarterback clean. If they're able to do that, if they're able to protect him, get the run game going as a support to help with that aspect, then I really like their chances to be able to put up some points. Last year, they struggled their two games in Philadelphia. I think they have a much better chance to go in on Monday night and be able to put some points on the board, given the players they've got at receiver being healthy in the backfield. And of course, the offensive line looking solid, much better than last year's group. When we come back for the third quarter, going to play a little bit of what's the odds here. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith, your lead host, joined by Nick Lee here on Blue Friday. We've got a big game coming up on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks traveling to Philadelphia, third time in less than a year that they've been in Philadelphia to play against the Eagles. Eagles reeling a little bit at 3-6-1, and one, but obviously still plenty of talented players on both sides of the football. It's a tough road game. You're in the Eastern time zone. There's a number of different things to consider here, but Typically during this segment, we would be playing bold predictions or something else. We're switching it up this week, though, and we're going to play what's the odds. And how this works, I'm going to read off a statement or a statistic, and you and I are going to discuss what we think the percentage chance of that happening on Monday night is. A chance for us to debate a little bit, have some fun going into this football game. So let's start off right away with the man under center for Seattle, Russell Wilson. Our first statement here, Russell Wilson throws for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Nick, what are the odds that Wilson achieves these two marks against the Eagles on Monday night? I'm going to go 40%, less, less than, slightly less than 50-50, not because I don't think Russell Wilson can do it, because obviously he can. Um, but I think it's just what we mentioned in the second quarter, that the, the strategy and the game plan might not allow for this to happen with – 300 plus and three touchdowns, that's MVP stuff again, um, which I hope, I hope this happens. But I just see the game plan dictating otherwise, just with running the ball, setting up the, those, those play action passes. And, and, and if the run game works, I mean, obviously you don't want to go away from it because that's the easiest way to win a football game is just impose your will on them on the ground. And, and that's, I think, something that, that, that can happen with the Eagles. And to their credit, the Eagles have been pretty good at some at pass defense and pass rushing. So um, I don't think this is a game where Russell Wilson chucks it 40, 45 times for, for a bunch of yards. So um, again, I don't think it's because he can't do it. I just think the game plan and the game scenario and results will dictate. Otherwise the Eagles again are, are fifth actually in 20 plus yard pass plays allowed. So not giving up huge explosive plays. So I just think 
the Seahawks will win this game otherwise. So I'll go 40%. I'm going to go 20%. I, I think there's a decent chance of three touchdown passes in this game. I'm just not thinking 300 plus yards in this game. I don't think this is a defense that is used that. I don't think you're going to come in and chuck it 40, 45 times against them. If they do, I think that's playing into the Eagles' hands because their biggest strength is that front line that can get after the quarterback. They're second in the NFL in sacks. So I look at this as a game that's going to be similar to what they just had happen against the Cardinals. I think you will see a very efficient Russell Wilson that may throw several touchdowns. I just don't know that you're going to see the chunk yardage there necessarily. I could see him being in that low 200s range. He was 197 against the Cardinals and had a very good game. Yardage doesn't tell everything. So I think he's going to fall short of that 300-plus yard mark, but I think it's a good chance he can get to three touchdowns. So I'm going to go 20%. I don't think it's a good chance he's going to get both of those. Second one here, Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams combined for four sacks. I'm going to go 65% on this one. The, the Eagles really struggle keeping Carson Wentz upright. And this, like we, all the things we just mentioned about along their offensive line, just all the issues. And Carlos Dunlap has been a revelation on this defensive line. Um, you can just tell he's rejuvenated. He's happy to be here. Just makes you smile as a Seahawks fan to watch a guy with Carlos Dunlap's talent and resume come here and just embrace the culture, embrace the Seahawk way, and just feel like he's been uh, injected with the fountain of youth and, and life and new blood. And, and him plus Jamal Adams, who was – so the two biggest, really, defensive acquisitions of not only the Seahawks season, but around the NFL, um, making a huge impact here. Jamal Adams continues. If, if he's just on the field healthy, just wrecks people, wrecks fools all over the place. I, I really think that this can be a game where both these guys can eat. Um, and I, I, the only way I really see this not happening is like what we said with – with uh, with the blitzing, I'm not sure how much you need Jamal Adams to just be attacking, attacking, attacking the whole game. I know that's his strength. Um, I can see Carlos Dunlap by himself having a big game, but these two together, yeah, I'm going to go 65%. And for me, that might even be conservative. I'm going to go with 50% just because four sacks between two players is quite a few. And, and I like what you mentioned about the blitzing thing. I don't know how much they send Adams in this game. Now, you've got two very ripe tackles. That's one thing to consider. Pete Carroll might be sitting there like, you know what? I've got this unicorn that can blitz off the edge. And I don't trust either one of their tackles to be able to pick him up. If you let him come off the edge untouched several times, Carson Wentz might not make it through the game. That's so that's the thing to consider here. It is kind of one of those you got to balance, do a balancing act here. After the playoffs but, last year, so yeah, I, I think 50% is what I'm going to go at. I think there's definitely a chance it could happen. Uh, it just I mean, the game plan is going to dictate that, especially with Adams, how much do they end up sending him. And sometimes he goes on his own and he's given cues to do that because he is a special player that is really darn good at doing that. So we'll see how it plays out. Third one here, DK Metcalf surpasses 150 receiving yards for the second time in his career in Philly. Yeah, I'm going to go 30% here. Like with the, the reasons we mentioned about Russell Wilson, the game plan might not dictate this huge passing game. Um, he's, he's reached 161 yards this year against the 49ers. He's had 400 yard receiving, 100 yards of receiving games this year. Um, I can certainly see him flirting with 100. Um, and I really want him to get going again because he he's kind of lost that, that Pro Bowl steam he had in the beginning of the year. So I, I think he's, like you mentioned, um, with J I think it was Jalen Rager, he's, he's due. He's, he's due for a big game again. And this, this could be a team that you can, you can kind of crack your neck and get right against um, on, on defense at least. So I think DK Metcalf, I think, also is uh, motivated 
from the, how the last few games and last few weeks have gone statistically and also because of how much he's cooked the Eagles in the past. So I'm going to go 30%. It's not impossible, but again, it's just the game plan. I'm hoping it happens, but um, I think the Seahawks can win handily without this happening. I'm going to go 15% just because I, again, the yardage totals, I could see him getting to 100, 125. I just think 150 is really pushing it. I expect he's going to have a big game. I get to see what the Eagles decide to do on the outside with Darius Slay because he hasn't been moving around this year, really. Are they going to have him travel with Metcalf, or are they going to take their chances with Avante Maddox going up against him sometimes? Because if that ends up happening, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm checking off whatever play we're running, and I'm attacking Avante Maddox. And so that was what they did. Yeah, I immediately am making changes. I'm audibling at the line, and I'm going after him because the size discrepancy there, Metcalf owned him in the playoff game last season. And so – if that happens, then maybe he can go off for this. But I just, again, I don't see the passing yardage necessarily being there. I could see Metcalf having a big game. I just think 150 really pushing it. Fourth one here, no Eagles receiver finishes with more than 70 yards in the night. This would be a really bold one when you consider the Seahawks' historic issues giving up passing yards this season. Ooh, yeah, this is bold. I'm going to go 25%. Um, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I think it's more to do with how just inept – the Eagles have been in the passing game <laughs> more so than how talented or how good the Seahawks have been on deep on pass defense, which still is not. Obviously they took steps in a good direction against the, the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, it, they're still suspect. I'm going to go. Yeah. 25%. That This probably would be something that, that doesn't happen more so for the Eagles shooting themselves in the foot. The, the Seahawks definitely still deal still have some serious issues to work out on the past defense. But yeah, um, this would be a more of, of a dictation of how bad the Eagles offense is. I'm going to go with 70%. I, I, don't, I don't trust the Eagles receivers right now. Now, maybe Jalen Rager ends up playing like I think he's capable of. Yeah, that's, that's my the concern. One, yeah, that's the one caveat here to this. But I haven't necessarily seen that chemistry blossom yet there. The pass rush, if they can get home, it's going to make it really difficult with the players that Carson Wentz has on the outside. I just, I think this defense, I guess I believe in what they're doing these last couple games. I believe in the communication, the chemistry there. And so uh, I'm probably going to get burned for this because the Seahawks have been burned so badly, giving up pass plays this year. But I'm going to go with 75%. I like the odds with this team missing some of the players they're missing, their struggles on offense. I think this is a game where you could definitely see that happen, where maybe the Eagles have three or four guys go for 50, 60 yards, but I don't see one guy jumping out and racking up a bunch of yardage on the night. So I think there's a good chance that this happens. The Seahawks' front line opens up lanes for Seattle to rush for 175 yards. Oh, yeah, that, that's pretty bold because the Seahawks have only done that once so far. I'm actually going to go 55%, slightly better than 50-50, because I think this is where the game plan comes into place. Uh, similar to against the Cardinals, I think that this is, this is a game where you can establish tempo, establish your will on the ground, and really start to open up lanes. And the Eagles have had all sorts of issues, not just on offense, but defense, they are far from perfect. This is not their strength on defense, so I, I think – that uh, if, especially if the Seahawks get into a rhythm and, and, and realize that they can dominate on the ground, they will, Pete Carroll has been known to just stick with that. And that's where the yardage will come in. So I'm going to go 55% because 175 is pretty high. They've only done that once so far this year, but this is a game where you can certainly flirt with that number. 
I'm going to go with 40%. I think that it's certainly possible they could get to that. I think 150 is attainable. I just think 175 is pushing it. Even with the game plan, to me, I think it's going to be centered around getting that run game going early. This is still a little different offense than we've seen in years past. The Russ Cook movement has not died off. They just are going to rely more on the run game in some games. There are matchups where, like this one, I think it would be it would be wise for them to get that run game going. So I think 150 is definitely doable. We saw them do it last week. I think they could do it again. 175, it's really pushing it. Chris Carson coming back, though, maybe that puts him over the hump, and he is due for a huge game. He has not hit 100 yards yet this year. Maybe he does that now fully healthy. We'll see, but I'm still going to go a little under 50%. There are chances of getting to that point. Last one here real quick, Nick. Seattle forces two interceptions and a fumble in this football game against the Eagles. Ooh, I'm going to go a little bit bold here. I'm going to use a number. Bobby Wagner, 54%. <laughs> um, that's a lot. Three turnovers is a lot. They've, the Seahawks have only done that once this year against the Cowboys, if I'm, if I'm reading this right. Um, so that, that's a lot of turnovers. But Wentz has been a turnover machine. Third most giveaways in the NFL, like we mentioned, it's the season of giving. And Carson Wentz, he's a good guy. He's been doing a lot of that. <laughs> so I'm going to go 54%. I think it's more likely than not. But, yeah, that, that's still a tall ask to do three takeaways. But I think with the, the confidence that the Seahawks defense is finding now, the rhythm they're finding, the trust and the, and the accountability that they've been able to establish the last few weeks, plus the immense struggles the Eagles are having on offense, that's a pretty good formula for getting three turnovers. Yeah, I'm going to go with 65% for mine. And it's just because Carson Wentz has been turning the ball over all year. And I guess this is my other viewpoint. The Seahawks didn't get any turnovers when you when you consider interceptions and fumbles. They obviously had the safety and they forced the fourth down stop at the end of the Cardinals game. But that was what was really made that performance impressive. They didn't have any interceptions. They didn't have any fumble recoveries against the Cardinals I think they are due, and you are playing against an offense that has been very charitable when it comes to giving up the football. And so I think two interceptions and a fumble, they did it to Carson Wentz last year in week 12. I think they can do it in prime time again under the lights. I think this defense is playing well. I think there's going to be some mistakes forced by that pass rush. Wentz is going to try to force the issue at times, and I think the Seahawks will make him pay with a couple of interceptions. We'll give one to Quandre Diggs, and we'll give one to Trey Flowers, his first pick of the season. And then I'll have a fumble recovery going to Puna Ford, the big guy, going to be feasting on a football (laughs) during Thanksgiving week. So I'm going to go 65% on that one. I think there's a really good chance the Seahawks can get to that number. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts by going to our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. We actually are going to have a special Saturday crossover coming your way tomorrow. Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles is going to be joining me Thanksgiving week. We couldn't fit in our crossover special on Thursday as normal. So we're going to have a special edition Saturday show gearing up for Monday's game in Philadelphia. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.